1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I know y'all feel like you were just hanging out with us because we were on all day yesterday. Five plus hours on Irish Breakdown, then another three hours on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I slept in a little bit today, <laughs> and uh, it's another day to rock and roll, Ryan. And another day of of absolute drama in the uh, Peyton Bowen situation. We're not going to dive into that other than he ain't coming to Notre Dame. And if you want to get into it more than that, we, we got an update on the message board. It's not even worth talking about. It's literally him doing the exact same thing yesterday that he did the day before signing day. Saying one thing to one group and another thing to another group. And then I'm I'm so over talking about him. And we're going to focus today, the rest of the show, on what they landed. Yesterday was a was a great day. I think we had a great chance to... To show Notre Dame fans the kind of young men and the kind of families that they're bringing into Notre Dame. And today it's about analysis. We're going to analyze the good, the bad, the ugly. There's a lot of good about this class. We're going to go position by position, breaking it down. We'll kind of start big picture offense, then positions, big picture defense, then positions, and go from there, Ryan. So I think, I think, look, I think overall, I looked at some of the rankings today, and I'm just going to say this there are not five classes in the country that I would trade for this Notre Dame class. And anyone that says otherwise, you're just not going to convince me. Otherwise, this is a class overall met all their needs, impact players at many different positions, great depth in a class that it is a gap closing class. Did it close the gap as much as it could have? No. Have they completely erased the gap? Not, no way, but this class moves Notre Dame just another step closer and when you combine it with last year's class, which we'll do a two-year grade show coming up here very soon as well, this this class it moved the needle with all the obstacles that were in front of the staff. Ryan, at the end of the day, when you look at this class as a whole, this is a top five class to me, and I don't care what anybody says.
2: So I mean, you, of we, course. well, we we heard yesterday from Tom Leving about how, how arbitrary the star system is, right, and how flawed it is, and. That's all those rankings are based upon is what your store ranking is and what your, you know, the 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 number associated with a certain number in a class. And, and it's flawed because it's, it's pertinent to someone's rankings that is not your own, right? And at the end of the day, we, you have built this platform because we think for ourselves, right? We give our own analysis and we build upon that scope and that's foundation, right? So we're going to be real with everyone to say where there misses, of course, there no doubt. And we'll talk about those. I'm sure sometime, you know, during the show, obviously, but we're clouding our judgment to, if we're going to just push aside and be like, Oh, this is a typical, typical Notre Dame class. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Notre Dame took a massive step forward. In my opinion, Marcus Freeman showed that what you can do on the recruiting trail with a tremendous effort, you show. He showed that, and even despite going against obstacles like the NIL era and some late minutes, you know, <laughs> some late minutes bidding wars for players, the, Notre Dame stood tall and signed 24 guys that I think made their football team tremendously better going into 2023. So I'm excited for those kids. I'm excited for the future of Notre Dame football. I'm excited for Marcus Freeman and his staff. I think it when we look back on it we're going to say wow the 2023 class was a special group that that group had a chance to catapult us to where we want to be
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
3: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Ryan,
1: I think when you look at this class, obviously, the offensive class, we're going to dive into the offense now. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the offensive class for me, it was one of those classes where that that was the one that was the bigger concern coming in. And when I say concern, it, it's more about you did not have a, a great offensive class last year. You know, there, was, there were parts that were really good. The tight end class were really good. Loved Jadarian Price. Offensive line class had some, some talent. But you came up short at, with your top quarterback targets. You came up woefully short in numbers at receiver, even though I loved the one they got, right? You came up way short and it's just been a side of the ball. That's just been really inconsistent for a Mm -hmm. while. Great one year, not the next guys, not panning out guys, not being coached. A lot of issues on that side of the ball. They needed a deep year at all on offense. And, and, this this group showed kind of why we always say let it play out, right? Just be patient. There was a time when everybody was worried about how this class was going to look on offense, but it's all about how you finish, right? And this offensive mm-hmm. class, in my opinion, f- finished extremely well. There were some losses along the way, but the losses were from guys that, from a numbers and need standpoint, were beyond what the needs were. That has mm-hmm. to be considered. And as you evaluate and graded class, there's three ways to evaluate it. Number one is did you meet your needs? Okay. Uh, needs are are from this standpoint it's looking at number 1 there's two aspects to need number 1 is numbers i mean that's just flat out you need x numbers at a position right the second part is is type needs did you know hey look you tight end for example we'll get into N- cooper flanagan is isn't just a player on a board that checks a box you landed one tight end you needed a specific type of tight end. And the question is, does Cooper Flanagan meet that need? And I would say, yes. So that's the second part of it. And and then it's also positional need. You can get four defensive linemen, but if your four defensive linemen can only play one position, you didn't really meet your needs. Those are all things that go into it. That's not what happened. That's just an example. So when I look at this offensive class, the biggest thing for me, Ryan, is they've met their needs numbers-wise. They met their needs from a what type of players they needed skill set wise and fit into the offense? They met their needs and the type of players they needed from an impact skill set standpoint. And then the second part of, of evaluating class is based on the talent, gu- gauging the talent of the group. And then the final part is fit, right? You mm-hmm. could land the best quarterback in the country, but if the best quarterback in the country is a run throw spread guy and you're signing him to run Paul Chris Wisconsin offense, may not be a great fit, right? So fit is the third part. So when we give our grade, those are the three factors. And anyone that's just grading it off of talent is missing the boat. And that ultimately is my biggest issue with recruiting classes. I understand why they have to come up with a points-based system. But there's no way to that they have to be able to talk about, did you meet your needs? This player's ranked here, but does he fit what that team does? Those are all things that have to be evaluated to truly properly evaluate and gauge and grade a class And a points driven grading system, ranking system doesn't do that. So those are the three factors that go into it, Ryan. And when I look at this offensive class, I think they met their needs. They at least got their minimum everywhere. I think that they also landed players that fit the specific needs of the roster from a type of player standpoint and this is a very talented group, Ryan. So for me, when I give the offense as a whole a grade, I gave it an A-. minus. It wasn't quite as as good as it could have been. It wasn't the best one or two offensive halls in the country, which is why it's not an A because the standard for A has got to be top three to me, top three to five, but it's on the cusp of five to seven as far as just looking at it as a whole, stacking it up against other classes. It's around a top four to five class for me, which is right on the cusp of that, that a, and then to be a plus I've got to be able to look at a class and say, there is literally not a single class better than that one. And Mm -hmm. they weren't there yet with this group. And so I gave it an a minus and it was definitely a needle moving class to me more. The defense built on what has been happening. The offense to me moved the needle at every single position. And
2: that is huge. Right, I remember when I was first when I was first hired. The only two offensive commits in the class at the time were Cooper Flanagan, who we'll talk about during the show, and Cedric Irvin Jr. Those were the only two in the class. And at that point, I remember there was a big frenzy on the message board and on Twitter in general from Notre Dame side of things that were like, "Oh man, this offensive cl- this offensive staff can't recruit. They can't do it right." And the recovery that they've had, man. And there were, you know. There was a big question mark, and I know we'll get into wide receivers specifically, but you brought in a, a guy like a Chancey Stuckey who had not really recruited before. And you have Tommy that's had, you know, at quarterback has had a couple of misses in in over the last few years, and there was question marks, and Harry stand coming back, and what's his effort going to be like on the recruiting, coming back for a second time at an older age? And there was a lot of question marks, but I think when you look at what this staff was able to accomplish comparative especially where they started when I first got here so far behind the defensive class and I applaud them I really did I don't think there's a hole in this offensive class I really don't think there is could, could you have upgraded at a couple different spots potentially did you miss on a couple yes that's very fair That's 100 percent. but regardless you got really talented football players and you hit all your needs and that's what Notre Dame needed. They needed numbers at certain positions offensively. They needed talent at every position offensively. And I think they did that. So I think that the staff really rounded out, recovered from a slow early start after the coaching change. I think they put together a very good offensive class. I have no quarrels with the A grade, uh, A minus grade, I should say. You know, I, I think that it's definitely somewhere in the A range, right? And but to your formula, by how you stack it up, you know top three, top five, you know kind of your correlating grades. I, I, I don't think I can push back on it at all. I really don't. Because
1: right. like a that so so the way the grades are just pure. A is elite football playoff caliber. Any any A minus to A to A plus is in that conversation. B is outstanding to top fifteen caliber. Right? So you know you kind of got that. You know if it's going to be a B plus, it means it's kind of probably like eight to ten. If it's a B, it's like ten to twelve. If it's a B minus, it's like, you know, 13 to 15, that kind of thing. C is solid, borderline top 25 caliber. D is subpar, not good enough, and F is a disaster. And so when I look at the A minus grade, Ryan, it's kind of like, this is a playoff caliber haul. It's just, if I'm going to set a standard for national championship, it's close, Mm -hmm. very close to being that. And the only reason I would say it is not there is because I'm evaluating this more so off of the current grade of the players, not so much the upside. Because sure. if we were just going to look at it from an upside standpoint, the way that Notre Dame recruits, we can almost go AA plus every year because the upside is there. Well, the reality is, is not every kid reaches their full potential. And that's why you can't evaluate only on upside. I think this kind of grade needs to be reflected on more of just a natural projection. And, and so when I look at a guy like Braylon James, I'm not going to grade him the way that I would a Brandon Innis, who I think is a more of a surefire, higher floor. I think that kid's going to be a really good player, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of their career, could Braylon James be every bit as good, if not better than Brandon Innis? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that, that, that mark is, is like it's an A-minus right now because you do look at the upside to a degree. The upside factors into the conversation, but it's not the driving force behind it. It's what I can say definitively I feel comfortable about saying now. Right. And and that's where I'm at, you know, because if if Kenny Minchie and Jeremiah Love and Caleb Smith and Braylon James and, and Sullivan Absher and, and Joe Otting and players like that all reach their peak, this is an A to A-plus class. But that's a high hit mark. Yes. And most teams don't hit that kind of hit mark in one class. So just so people understand where it's coming from. But if you're in an A-minus to range, you've landed yourself a Heck, an offensive class. And I think overall, too, Ryan, I think I think Tommy Reese is not getting enough credit from Notre Dame fans for this regard. You need to be able, as a fan, if you're going to properly give analysis and not mm-hmm. just be an emotional person. And I think people in this chat and that watch our show want to be challenged and want to think about the game beyond just the emotional part of it. Because if they just wanted to be emotional over reactors, they wouldn't be hanging out on our show. There'd be other places they would hang their time, right? Right. So I, I think when I'm encouraging you to look at it from this standpoint, and say if you think Tommy Reese is a bad offensive coordinator, that's a different conversation for a different day, and that's fair for you to feel that way. Okay, and there's things you can look to and feel a certain way about it, but you have to differentiate yourself between Tommy Reese the coach and Tommy Reese the recruiter, and the, the the reverse would be true too. If Tommy Reese was like the the a wicked tremendously successful offensive coordinator as a game planner and play caller and Notre Dame was scoring 45 points a game, but a garbage recruiter, you'd be, you should be able to say that too. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he, he gets hammered a lot for things that I just think are, you're putting your feelings about something over here that doesn't have to do with recruiting onto him as a recruiter, because Mm -hmm. the reality is, is the only reason last year's class finished with Tobias Merriweather and Jadarian price and Billy Shrouth was because of Tommy Reese. That's a, I mean, Billy Shrouth does not come to another name. If it's not for Tom Reese, full stop right there. Tobias doesn't stay if that doesn't happen. And so this year he finally was given resources, AKA assistant coaches that can recruit. And when you put that together, they really thrived and really shined. And, um, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for his job as, as the leader of that group. Cause we hear his name a lot with recruits. But then you can only do so much as an offensive coordinator. And Tommy Reese as the quarterback's coach, getting Kenny Minchie was huge the way that played out. Dylan McCullough did a great job. I flat out was told that the manner in which Dylan McCullough conducted himself in a truthful manner and and the way he went about just treating people with respect like men – and being honest and not telling one recruit one thing and another recruit another thing is the reason Jeremiah Love fell in love with him in this, in the sign of this class, the reason. Right. And then of course, after that, then it came to, okay, fit and all the other things factored in, but just in an era where you just don't get a lot of honesty and integrity, mm-hmm. he showed that with, with Jeremiah Love and that's why he's in the class. Well, I, Chancey I, Stuckey.
2: Go ahead. Go oh no, ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think that that is true of most guys that fit well at Notre Dame though, Brian. I mean, listening to some of them yesterday, right? Like Sullivan Absher. They don't want to be lied to, right? Like these are smart kids. Like you, I think that players that are as smart as Notre Dame kids are find it offensive when you lie to them. Like that's what I think they do. You know, they're too—they're they, smart enough to understand you can't BS me, man. You can't. Right. You have to be able to tell me honestly. And I think they also understand that I'm not the best version of myself. I need you to get right. there, right? So if I can't trust you, how are you going to get me to that point? Jeremiah right. Love put money on the back burner. Because Jeremiah Love believes the long term is going to be better than the short term. Well, if you're not going to develop me to be the best possible football player I can be, why would I trust you? Why would I – like, how can I buy into you if that's what I see? I think it's Chancey
1: Stuckey hit a home run in his first year. It's hard to evaluate Jared Parker because he walked in with Cooper Flanagan already in, and they have kind of focused on 2024. Harry Easton did a great job with his offensive line class, putting it together, getting guys that he wanted You can quibble with maybe he should have wanted this guy or that guy. I think the offensive line grade also, that is one where I felt this class had a miss. You know, not getting a second pure tackle was the one thing I could point to and say, you know, this class looks a whole lot different with a Monroe Freeling with a guy like that, you know, a more natural, an Elijah Page kind of guy. But it's still a a very good offensive line class. It's without question one of the five to six best offensive line classes in the country. And, and so I I really like it. so you just all the the coaches as a whole did a great job here. They deserve to to they deserve praise for it, right? We've spent a lot of time the last couple of years hammering the offensive staff for not doing a good job. This staff came together and did a great job and 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 held strong and and had look the Jaden Jaden Greathouse had a lot thrown at him, Braylon James had a lot thrown at him, Jeremiah Love had a lot thrown at him, and those kids were like, no, nah, I want to be, I want to be part of what they're building here. And yep. I want to be the foundation of what they're building here. And overall, I think it's a it was a great class.
2: Yep. I mean, I, I think it says it perfectly, right? Like you hit all your needs, there's no doubt. But there's impact talent, man. And I think that there is, right? It's, is there a couple spots just from a team perspective that you could have gotten more impact talent? We'll talk about that, right? Especially on the defensive side of the football. But Notre Dame got guys at running back, wide receiver, maybe quarterback that I think they can come in Even tight ends. I think that Cooper Flanagan can play a role early on, depending upon what they're asking of him, right? So I think from a skill position perspective, you have impact talent that can come in and can compete early on for whatever role you need them to have in your offense. Offensive line-wise, I think there's a couple guys that are physically ready to play football at the college level, but that's just kind of a different bag, right? Like they usually develop a little bit slower. They're not usually pressed into – a substantial amount of time early on unless you are a Blake Fisher type and there is that clear need at left tackle for instance so I think but I think that for me Brian again there were a lot of question marks about this offensive class and I already talked about that a little bit right Tommy Reese has had misses Chancey Stuckey is barely recruited Dela McCullough is now coming to his biggest job yet he, he recruited pretty well at Indiana for instance right but Recruiting at Notre Dame is a little bit of a different bag, and obviously there's been a lot of pushback on Harry Heastan in the past as far as, like, his want-to. It's always nonsense. It was. Always nonsense. It, was, it, was always it was. nonsense. But there's still a narrative out there, and there was a question to be answered, and I think that Harry answered that. I think a lot of the coaches, I mean, the first one of the first people Tom Leving talked about yesterday was Chancey Stuckey and how he's a star on the recruiting trail, and it's like this time last year, I mean, he wasn't even hired at this point last year, but when he got hired, you were like, uh, what's his impact going to be? You right. know, yeah, what, no. what, what kind of headway is he going to make? Yeah. He was just an unknown commodity, but now you're sitting going into 2024, like he can go get Ryan Wingo. I think, like, yeah. I think he can get him. I, mean, I think He, he needs to. Him. I mean, right? Like, stacking
1: yeah. it on, right? Exactly. But for for this class, certainly he he moved the needle. So let's 100%. let's kind of go into the position, you know, position by position. It begins a quarterback. There was a huge need a quarterback in this class. They needed a. They didn't need a body. They needed a guy that you could look at and say, is that the kind of guy that if he ends up winning the job and developing as a player, can go lead you against the Bamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, and, and and win games? Not win games in spite of him, but win games because of what he brings to the table. It was a very wild, winding, twisting road. But I think Notre Dame got that guy. And and I'm just going to say this right now, Ryan, when, when I look at it. like The reality is, is this is a kid that I had graded high, before he was the Notre Dame factor, I gave Notre Dame an A minus getting Kenny Minchie. I had Kenny Minchie as the number 80 player in the country coming in, during the summer on our top 100. That was when he was committed to Pitt, and he had kind of had already told Notre Dame at that time that he was just he was going to stick with Pitt. And, and yep. Notre Dame had already kind of made the move to Austin Novus at that point in time. And so, but it's just like you couldn't deny the film from his junior year. You couldn't deny the arm talent. You couldn't deny what he did over the summer. You couldn't deny all the things you heard about his IQ. And look, this is this is one of the best quarterbacks in, a, in, in what at the time was a loaded quarterback class. Now, some of the guys have not panned out as well. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about, well, Notre Dame should have taken Jackson Arnold. Okay, if that's your thing, I get it. And from a recruiting ranking standpoint, taking Jackson Arnold would have been better for Notre Dame. He's like a top 10 kid, according to a couple people. But I'm just telling y'all right now, and I've said this from day one. I said this when people thought that Notre Dame was going to get Jackson Arnold. He's not that dude. And so, and I'm not the only one that felt that way. Notre Dame felt that way, which is why Jackson Arnold isn't it. Here's the thing the whole, you shouldn't have gone all in on Dante more. should have taken Jackson Arnold because look at Jack. And I'm like, if Notre Dame thought Jackson Arnold was a top 15 overall player, they'd have taken Jackson Arnold if he wanted to come. They would have. yeah. But they didn't view him in the same league as Dante. That's why they took. That's why they went with this approach that they went with. And the same thing is, 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 is true for the Notre Dame staff with other guys. If they thought Chris Vezina was that good, top 25 overall player, they'd have taken him. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. They went with the Dante more because they thought Dante was in a different level than those other guys. And their strategy was we feel like this is a deep enough class that if we miss on Dante, that they'll get him. And the other thing too is they were willing to, to tell Dante – Thanks, but no thanks when it came down to it, because that's ultimately what happened Mm -hmm. because of getting C.J. Carr in the 2024 class. I think that's another thing that factors into how impressed I am by getting Kenny Minchie, because Kenny Minchie knows that they're bringing in a dude next year at quarterback. Yep. And he he didn't shy away from it. If he didn't want to compete, he did just stay to pit. You get to play in the ACC. You know, the the quarterback here, you're going to what Phil Dracovic comes in for a year. You groom and then you're you're going what against Christian Valo for the next starting job who wasn't even in the class at the time, hard pass, right? I mean, that's an easy one. Uh, he could have easily been a three-, four-year starter at Pitt. No problem. He chose to come to Notre Dame and battle against Tyler Buckner and CJ Carr. I think this says a lot about Kenny Minchie and the kind of player he is, Ryan. And the talent is certainly there. It's yeah. certainly there. He's got all the arm talent you want to, to – here's the thing. To execute Tommy Reese's offense, mm-hmm.
2: that's the key. I mean, he took a, again, I know it was in limited, I mean, what do you play five games, six games as a senior, but I mean, he was, he just looked like a different cat, man. And not a different cat mentally from an accuracy perspective. Those things were always there, right? They're always there. Just, he looked mature. He looked physically filled out. He looked a step above and the, the normal maturation you usually see from juniors to senior year. Like you saw that type of type of growth from a Kenny Minchie before the injuries kind of you know took over the season, unfortunately, but he's a player for me, Brian. I mean, you mentioned the guys that were on the board with Dante, right? But even some of the names that have popped up since the Dante Moore fiasco ended, you know, the Austin Nova sads of the world and some others that we've kind of let people know from behind the scenes. I think that this was the best case scenario. I really do because even Austin Nova sad was a kid that, Apparently, you would have had to worry about until the last seconds. You know,
1: I want to say something else too. I'm going to interrupt you because you you yeah. say things that, that that I tell you because you don't want to just say it. It looks like sour grapes. But Ryan, the minute Notre Dame started looking at no, he you said, "I just don't see it with that kid." Yeah, like I liked him more than you did. I, I think we both preferred Kenny Minchie, but at the time, yes. Kenny Minchie wasn't really a guy that was gonna flip at the time. You know, right? right. And and you know, I said, "Look, I like him. He's got some tools." You know, but but you didn't you were just you were not on that train. You were just like, yeah. Yeah, he's OK, you know, so because you look at him, say he's not a guy that you look at and say you put him in the time race offense. He's going to be a dude. He's going to make those plays for you. He's a he is a he you, I mean, I think you're you're compared. He's Jack Cohn, right? He's a good football player. Which he's, is he's fine. He's fine. Fine, fine, but yeah. he's not going to put an on. You can win a championship with Jack Cohn, hmm. but it, it's only because he manages a really good group around him. And right. know, I'm a Jack Cone guy, mm-hmm. but I'd rather have a different, I'd rather have a more impactful guy. I'd rather have yes. Jimmy Clausen. I'd For rather sure. have Brady Quinn. I'd rather have Malik Zaire. I'd rather have Everett Golson. I'd rather have Deshaun Kaiser. I'd rather have Kenny Minchy. Mm-hmm. And that's the key. So I just wanted to give you credit on that one. Even yeah. when it looked like Notre Dame was going to get Austin Novosad, you were like, that's fine,
2: but I, I was I, I was on board with it from the rankings perspective right I was like okay he's a Texas kid he's got the rankings you got CJ Carr coming in like I can I can talk myself into Austin Nova said but he never sold me on it you know what I mean like that's kind of the difference like I can talk myself into it Kenny Minchie, I didn't really have to talk myself into it Ryan I mean we were we were scouring late before it became a thing Kenny Minchie became a thing again. And we're like, man, what about this quarterback? Maybe this quarterback could be a guy Notre to go after. I, like, and we were just watching film and film and film. And then you hear some of the names that might be guys that they're being able to take a look at. And you're just like, that doesn't move the needle at all for me, man, some of these kids. right? And then all of a sudden, the stars align. And Kenny Minchie becomes a conversation again. And look, man, at the end of the day, guys, if, it was, if you're asking me which would I rather have, Dante Moore and – uh, question at 2024 quarterback right now. You don't know who that guy right. is. Or Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr, taking the ladder all 100%. day long. Like there's no doubt because we talk about the margin for error so much. You know when your margin for error gets a lot larger? When you have guys as talented as Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr coming into a room with hopefully a healthy Tyler Buckner and then a grad transfer quarterback. That's where you're talking about now that you're having opportunities that even if a guy doesn't pan out, you're not stuck, right? If a Tyler Buckner gets hurt, you're not stuck anymore. You have bodies, you have opportunities, you have options. Notre Dame has the options now in 2023 and 2024. And that starts with Kenny Minchie, man, a guy that and let's call it what it is, right? I'm going to I'm going to put this out there, you know, nicely, right? There were some quarterbacks that were driven by other factors. And Kenny Minchie, I don't believe is one of those guys because I'm sure that there were some other schools that tried to get in on that one. I sure of it right but he's a kid that isn't driven like that he isn't wired like that he fits what Notre Dame's looking for he's a very talented player in general and I think that it's just going to be a seamless transition man is he going to be the guy at Notre Dame I have no idea but what I do know is that he gives you a lot more talent in the quarterback room the minute he steps on campus you're adding to the talent you have already in in the in the in the room as of now. So I think that it's a tremendous game for Notre Dame about as good as it possibly could have ended up after the Dante Moore thing, right? If, if it's Dante Moore, then maybe we're talking about an A-plus class, right? But you're still getting an A-range class with a Kenny Minchie because he is a top-10 quarterback of this class to me. He is a top-100 player. And his senior year, if he would have continued that trajectory, yeah. I think the rankings right now would be like, oh –
1: that's, that's, that's why he's he not going to move up in my rankings. He's going to stay around that seventy-five to eighty-five range most likely because he didn't play his entire senior year. But he started off hot, and and he was hot coming out of the gate. I would have liked to see him, but you 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 can't ignore that he he did have the shoulder injury, and he's fine. He's my understanding he's going to play in the All Star game, which I think speaks volumes about how it wasn't. It was my understanding it was just a nagging thing that wouldn't go away, and every time he tried to push it, it just would kind of have a little bit of a setback. So, it wasn't like a structural thing like Tyler with a torn ACL or the broken clavicle. It wasn't that type of thing. So, I don't know if the class over all would have been an A plus with Dante. I think it would have been an A because I think Dante does have a higher ceiling. But I was not blown away by Dante's film this season. I think Dante was very distracted this year, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. And uh, it's just one of those things where when you look at how it all went down, you know, you're, 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 you're the, here's the danger, Ryan. Mm-hmm. you're you're running in a situation where you ended up with without Dante or CJ Carr if you would have yes. pushed to keep Dante. And if yep. you were not willing to take CJ because of Dante, and that was part of the risk that Notre Dame had is, is if you insist on pushing for Dante, you're going to have a hard time getting CJ because of the relationship there and some of the things that were going on with Dante that would have made it very unattractive for CJ to want to come to Notre Dame at the time. Well, and some of the ass that he had. And so, but my point is, if you, if you, Notre Dame could have, I'm just telling y'all right now, I still believe that Notre Dame could have landed Dante more as a public commitment at some point time in the fall. I truly believe that. But what I'm not going to tell you is that he would have signed with Notre Dame. And I think we saw that. Yeah. I think we saw that. And Mm -hmm. so then you're in a situation where you end up without Dante or CJ Carr, And that's when Notre Dame would have been really screwed. So I am very pleased with how the quarterback thing played out it wasn't the way what could have happened like I didn't meet my wife the way I grew up thinking I was going to meet a woman and fall in love and do all that but hey I'm happy it worked out the way that it did
3: sure. you know what I
1: mean yeah. and that's how you f- I feel about the quarterback class right it's like you know it didn't it did the process wasn't necessarily pretty and it was stressful at times but at the end of the day they got They got a kid in Kenny Minchie that I I feel is if he ends up winning the starting quarterback job at any point in time, their name's going to finally have a quarterback behind center that that you say, I can win. I feel comfortable going against anybody now and feeling like we can compete a quarterback is how I would look at it. And that's the key for this class. And so we're spending a little bit more time on quarterback than other positions because it was so important in this class. So important. And, and and especially because it looked for a time like they weren't going to get anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan, we were sitting here in kind of early October thinking, I don't think they're going to get a quarterback in this class, if or, or at least not a guy that is going to be a, a – a, it was just we going to be a body.
2: Yeah. I mean, right. some
1: of the names that, in the film that we were looking at were just like – we would text you like, oh, my gosh, like this is just – I can't believe this might be a kid that Notre Dame might have to take in this class. It was – it was getting it was, bad. There was a lot
2: of a lot of kids that you thought would be solid football players at the University of Indiana, not so much Notre Dame. <laughs> like that's kind of the guys who we were looking at, and it was yeah,
1: it was a great wave, a while. it. Yeah, yeah. O- okay, player at Northwestern, but not a guy that Notre Dame should be looking at. Absolutely exactly.
2: Right. I mean, and, and I mean, thankful with hindsight that the Dante Moore thing did end when it ended, right? Because they were had an opportunity to rebound. I mean, could you imagine, Brian, if he took it up into? signing day and then flipped a couple of days beforehand, like then you're, you're screwed at that point. So I think everything worked out quarterback wise pretty much as well as it could have, man. I, Cause yeah, I, I'm, ha- I'm very, I'm very happy with the future of Kenny Minchia Notre Dame. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Let's move on to running back
1: Ryan. And mm-hmm. so here, here, here is the interesting thing that, that I had to do with this running back grade. I gave it an A minus. I think Jeremiah Love is one of the five best running backs in the class. So just on Jeremiah Love alone, it should have been an A. I only felt Notre Dame needed one running back in this class. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's an A. I think Jeremiah Love fits this offense very well. It's an A. But here's why I dropped it to an A minus. Because they wanted two, and they tried to get two, and they didn't. Right. So I think you can make a case that it should be an A. But, mm-hmm. the, but from a need standpoint, so I I graded this one a little weird, Ryan, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the fact that they did want a second running back. Now, they didn't force a second running back. So when they knew Jayden Lamar was potentially leaving, they didn't like, okay, shoot, let's scramble around and find a second running back. So I, I think you could argue me, with me that I shouldn't have graded it that way, and that's fair, but that's why I went with A- minus mm-hmm. as opposed to A because of that factor. But just looking at it from a depth chart standpoint, I think they met their need. They -hmm. got one of the best kids in the class. And one of the big picture needs that they had in this class, Ryan, was was adding more impact home run talent. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah Love certainly adds that. This is one Ah. of the best home run hitters in the country as as far as a running back. There are Ah. running backs ahead of him, like a Richard Young. Sure. That are good players. Cedric Baxter. They may be better all backs, but they're not better home run hitters than Mm -hmm. him. And his playoff performance to me also, I had him in, you know, my grade for him kind of during the regular season was, you know, he jumped up in my ranking. Right. I mean, there's no doubt. But the the issue I had was, man, I just wish they'd use him more. (laughs) And that was my knock. It's like when he plays and they actually use him man, he's really good, but they just didn't use him enough. And then that changed. That changed in the postseason, Ryan. And and yeah. that's kind of one of those things that's going to bump it up. And I, I want to share this with fans because this is phenomenal. I love money players. Love money players. In eight career playoff games, Jeremiah loved rushed rush for 1,022 yards and 17 touchdowns on just 92 carries, 11.1 per carry. Keep in mind also that as a junior in one of the playoff games, he had like one carry. It was a game they won by like 50. <laughs> so that counted as one of the eight games that he played in is a game. He had one. I think the first round playoff game this year was a, also like a 40 point win. He had like three carries. So it, keep that it, in mind when you look at his thousand yards and eight games
2: in the playoffs. Wasn't that one game. Didn't he have a one carry for like 20 yards and a yes. touchdown or something? That was like that? last year. <laughs> it was the same team,
1: both years in the first round. It was, it was where Kyron Williams went to high school. Vianney, Bion- right? Vianney, yeah. Vianney, whatever. And so he had have. like in two years in the playoffs, he had like three or four carries against them in the first round of playoffs, both years. Keep that in mind when you're looking at his. Like you could argue, his two best career games were this year's state title game, where he had over 200 yards rushing and over 100 yards receiving, and last year's semifinal game, where he had over 200 yards. I believe over 200 yards rushing as well. When the game, when the game to the biggest, Jeremiah Love was at his best, and that speaks volumes because at Notre Dame, you have to have that kind of player, right? Because you need that guy that when the bright lights are bright, says, "Okay, we got Alabama coming up." get me the rock, baby, I want the ball, and I'm going to be at my best, that's what you win championships with, is Mm -hmm. that kind of – not just the talent, Ryan, but it's the mindset. And we saw this from Jaden Greathouse last year, too. In the playoffs, Jaden Greathouse took his game to a whole different level. And it's those kind of players that you need. And so you can't can't dismiss the importance of that when we're breaking down how, how just impactful Lanny Jeremiah was talent checks out off you know outstanding top of the board guy but that right there is one of those deciding factors that really makes you feel good about why this is an a minus class is because you landed guys that have that that dog mentality mm-hmm. and we talk about they need dudes whether you want to call them dudes or dogs or money players or whatever your expression is they need more of them and jeremiah love is that
2: agree well in that state title game because was against lee summit north who is a Very good football team, and they have a five-star defensive end in 2024 in Williams and Waniere. So, I mean, they got dudes on that side of the ball. I mean, he played a playoff game against uh, A.J. Epinesa's brothers, one of the top 2025 kids at defensive end as well. So, I mean, he's playing against good competition on his level, and when he got the football, he did something with it, man. You know who else, Brian, would – would say that, yes, he needed the ball more. It would be Jeremiah Love would be a guy that said he needs the ball more. (laughs) He would tell you straight up in interviews, man, like, I need the ball more. Like, I agree. I agree with you. So he's a fantastic player. He is. And I think that when you looked at where they were originally, right, you had a Cedric Irvin Jr. And then it looked like, you know, do you get a Jaden Lamar to kind of bolster that because it's not – maybe the talent level that you need at the position, but then you get two good football players, right? And then you got to a situation where now you have Jane Lamar. Jane Lamar is a nice complimentary back, no doubt, but let's get a guy that could be potentially the three down guy, the lead back tight. So then you go after a Jeremiah love. and even with losing a Jane Lamar late in the process, I think that you look now and if if the situation was reversed a little bit, you know, if you get a Jeremiah love early in the process, maybe you just stop with the second running back push, right? It's just the fact that you got the complimentary running back first and then you were like, but I still right. need more. You know right. what I mean? So I think right. that it would have maybe changed the mindset slightly. If you would have got Jeremiah love first, like maybe Chad and the staff would just be like, you know what? Like I don't really need we're a second here. back. Like let's, let's, let's here. use our resources on a different type of position, right? Like maybe we can do something different here because we know that Chad and the, the staff are, they have pretty good foresight with a lot of things, right? Like they get their second options and, you know, their their next plan of attack type of thing pretty early on in the process. So maybe that changes a little bit. But regardless, for are talking just about pure talent and how he fits in the system, Jeremiah loves a dude, man. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They haven't listed at 6'1", 195. I think he could steadily be 215-plus pounds and not lose an ounce of athleticism. Lateral quickness, home run speed. He's got some physicality to him when he starts to really work on kind of pad level stuff and starts to fill out his frame. And he really adds more of a power element to his game that he has right now. And he's an all around back because he can catch the football. He can run outside. He can break tackles. He can do all those things in the open field. but when he adds power, then we're talking about – there's, I think there's a legit conversation, Brian, and I don't know if you agree with this, but – because I agree with you. There's a couple nice backs at the top. You know, you mentioned mm-hmm. separate backs, so you mentioned Richard Young. Ruben Owens is a really talented football player, there's no doubt. But if Jeremiah Love hits his ceiling, I think that you can argue that Notre Dame may have gotten the best back in this class if that happens, right? He has that type of upside in my opinion.
1: For this offense, yes. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Like so. Like at Georgia, Georgia would be better off with a Richard Young type, right? So that. that's where, that's yep. where that's why fit is so important, right? Like Richard mm-hmm. Young's a heck of a back. I believe he was my number one back last year. Uh, yeah, he was my number one back. I had him as the number fifteen overall player in the country. I had Cedric Baxter right behind him. I like Cedric Baxter a lot, a but I man. think Ruben Owens is a really good back. I think Ruben Owens at Alabama fits them great. If they do what they did in the past, I think the concern there is you're going to Alabama. Are they going to try to do with you what they've done at running back last year, with Jameer Gibbs, I don't think he fits that offense that great. I have a feeling Nick Saban is going to want to go back to being able to run the football. I, I just, when you look at the two running backs, they land, Justin Haynes still signed with Alabama yesterday. Yes, right? he did. Yep. Those are two backs that you're putting in a, a BAM offense from five years ago, not what they're doing right now. So I have a feeling he's going to demand a little bit more running of the football Yes. And they fit that system well. They fit the Georgia system well. But for what Notre Dame does and what I think Notre Dame wants to be, yes, they're going to run duo, but also a team that runs zone that runs the ball outside to get the ball. And here's the thing, too. Jeremiah Love's a very good blocker. Yeah, very good blocker already. And so he's a legitimate every down back in Notre Dame. And I think what he showed me in the playoffs this year was he can be a 20 carry guy and, and be physical and grind out the tough yards as well. Yep. And and that's partly why he rushed for so many touchdowns. They weren't all home runs. There was a couple. He had one, I think it was a second round playoff game. He had to make like four or five, he had to break like four or five tackles to score from like five yards out. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, and
2: then he bent it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And you're like, okay, that kid's showing me that he he's not just a home run here. Cause that's what he was when they first started getting on him, right? Is he just mm-hmm. was kind of like a home run hitter. He's still learning the position and you know, and, and his ranking was built a lot on, you know, just a guy that I had him number seventy three. For example, in my in my ranking from this summer, and I had him as the number at the time, the number four running back in the country at the time. He was uncommitted at the time, and and you look at it and say, boy, this kid, this kid got better. So, um, and then my number five back was um, I don't know if you ever seen this kid was a kid named Jeremiah Cobb that, that uh, at the time was committed to Auburn. I don't know if he still signed with Auburn, hmm. but it's not a. And here's the other thing too, Ryan. And this is why this this matters too. This is not a great running back class it's Agreed. not and if you didn't hit on one of the top guys uh, it's gonna top, be a problem top like three four five, like five yeah like, like yeah. if you didn't get yeah. one of the top five or six guys you were gonna be in trouble because like i don't love justice haynes i didn't have him in my top hundred he's Fine. good back yeah. he's a nice number two back Mm-hmm. But there was a big drop off between the top four or five and kind of everybody else. I only had five okay. running backs in my top hundred over the summer. Now I don't have I haven't redone my top hundred. There's some backs I still have to evaluate to see how they did as seniors, but mm-hmm. they got one of the best, and that's that's important. Let's move to wide receiver, Ryan. Wide receiver class. Uh, I mean, look, it, it, it was also a kind of a weird, winding, twisting road to get to where they got to, but at the end of the day, this is a heck of a group. I mean, to me, this is one of the two to three best receiver halls in the country. And I don't care what the recruiting rankings say. This is an A grade for me. I gave the receivers an A grade. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I didn't give it an A-plus grade is because I think to earn an A-plus, you have to have a truly elite player in your class. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the only thing missing from this receiver hall. is just that elite Michael Floyd, uh, Julio Jones, elite kind of top 25 player. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they got that guy as far as where they are now. They got some guys, however, that could become that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing I like about this group. But here's what you got, Ryan. Numbers, needs, met. You needed four. They wanted five, but not like they wanted a second running back. They wanted five just because like, hey, let's get greedy kind of thing. (laughs) And their fifth guy in Dylan Edwards was kind of a hybrid player anyway. He wasn't like a pure receiver. He wasn't a pure running back. He was going to be a hybrid player. Mm -hmm. So I didn't ding the receiver grade the same way I did the running back grade in full transparency because I think they put more into getting a second back than they put into getting a fifth receiver. It was just kind of like, hey, let's keep loading up. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so I think they met their need from a number standpoint. I think the talent is good. I graded two of these guys out as top 100 players. I graded Rico out as a top 150 player, and I graded Caleb Smith out as a top 250 player. So I think talent wise, they were it was very good. And then the third part is, the fit thing is important twofold. One, Ryan, is they all fit the offense. Okay, they all they all we can we can see a clearly defined role for each of them in this offense. Mm-hmm. The, the but the the other part of fit is do they fit together? Sure. And I think that's important. They they can all play at least two positions: the X, the Z, and the Y. They or excuse me, the W, they can all play to at least two positions. In Jaden Greathouse's case, I think he can play all three to a degree. I think Braylon James could play all three. I think Rico could play two. I think Caleb Smith could play two. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important that they can play together. You can get these four guys in a rotation easily if that's your top four receivers. And I think that's a very important part of this conversation when looking at them. And then you throw in Jeremiah Love, who brings the pass game emphasis. Your pass game got a huge influx of talent. In this class mm-hmm. and at receiver specifically, it's hard to imagine it being a whole lot better with the exception of it could have got better if you would have landed like that elite top of the board guy. Right. Outside of that, it's hard to argue with what this this group ended up being. And, and the other thing is you went into Texas to do it, which is going to hopefully open up a pipeline in future years. Uh, and you held on to these guys. It, it man, it really is a it really is a heck of a class, in my opinion.
2: Well, I think the the fit together is the biggest thing for me, Brian, and I'm glad you hit on that so well. It is the fact that I think of it like – so I think of like a team like Clemson, for instance, right? You have good players at receiver, but they're all the same kind of guy, right? Like you have Joseph Ngata and Bo Collins and Dakari Collins. They're all six three-plus skyscrapers that need to play in the boundary. Like that's what they need to do. That's the type of players they are. Notre Dame got players that have – very different skill sets, and some people I'm sure will look at that and be like, "Well, are they too different?" And I would say, absolutely not. I wrote an article about this this morning about how you got a guy like a Braylon James who's six three, 185 pounds, 4'4", something verified, four four seven verified in the in the in the 40 yard dash. Like he can play the boundary, he can play outside to the fields, and he can do those types of things because vertically he can beat you, and he's flexible. He has all those traits. Jaden Greathouse. He's going to look different into the boundary than Braylon James is going to be because Braylon James is going to stack you and get on top of you very quickly. But Jaden Greathouse with the size and the back shoulder ability that he has, he can play that position. He could, I think that he legitimately, and I think you said this as well. I think he could play all three spots, Jaden Greathouse. You know, you could throw him in the slot. You could throw him to the field. You know, I don't love him outside to the field a ton, but I think he could do that. But in the boundary, absolutely, with the size and physicality he has. Caleb Smith is a guy that doesn't get talked about a ton, you know, because he was kind of a late guy into the class and he's the you know, the lesser ranked guy as far as the as the big 4, but he's a guy that his skill set is one that you haven't had enough of at Notre Dame. Like you've needed that guy that can make plays in space, that can be a true slot type that can work and manage the traffic in the middle of the field and just, you know, work after the catch. Like you've needed that type of football player. And then, oh, by the way, you got top 150-caliber football player, Rico Flores, who is one of the most productive wide receivers in the country, playing at a very good high school in Folsom, in California, against very good competition. And, by the way, he can play all around. He can do some stuff inside and out as well. So I think that's the biggest thing for me, Brian, is because I agree with you. None of those guys are slam-dunk elite players right now, no doubt. I agree 100%. But they all have varying skill sets that fit well together, and you got talent that now can be utilized in this offense so comparably well to one another, right? Like they they can work off of one another, and you can give so many different looks. So I'm looking and I'm like, who ends up being the best receiver in this class? And we've talked about this, right? Depending on who you ask, some people would say Jaden Greathouse, some people would say Braylon James, some people would say Caleb Smith, some people would say Rico Flores. And that's why you know it is a complete and very good hall at wide receiver because you have four good, good, good football players at the end of the day. And if they develop properly and they're used together well, that could be your wide receiver group for the future right there. That's the group where you say there's interchangeableness to a degree, there's varying skill sets, and that's the type of wide wide receiver group that we need to be a championship level team, guys that can work together well and can make plays all over the field.
1: I think, too, when you look at it, like as I look individually, Ryan, I, I, I just you mentioned Caleb Smith. They needed an after the catch guy. We were begging for that last year. They needed an after catch guy. And he is that. But he's not just that. You know, he's a guy that can run routes. He's a really nice route runner. Rico Flores, really precise route runner, one of the best just pure route runners in the class. You know, you look at Jaden Greathouse, he's that volume guy, that volume yeah. pass catcher, that guy that can go out there in a game where you just need a guy to go out there and catch 10 balls because they're just just the way that it is and catching traffic and outplay people with the ball and use his strength and go out there. And that's why my comp for him was was Juju Smith-Schuster as far as like kind of the role I see him being that volume guy, uh-huh. even though he's not a burner and a, and a home run hitter speed wise, he can hit home runs, you know what I mean? And and then you've got Braylon James, who is probably the most raw guy of the group. But the tools are outstanding. And, and, you know, so like if you were to grade the four receivers just just on current grade, Braylon James might be third. You know, but when you add the upside grade into it Mm -hmm. and the athletic traits, he's number one, in my view. And I know you'd go with great house, but Mm it's a it's a good argument to have because they're both really good players. And yep. so I just – I love the individual talent of these players, and they add things that Notre Dame needs more of. Who was the receiver that you looked at this year and said, boy, that guy is just physically – you can't guard him. None of them. Even Tobias is not that way. Tobias is long and, and fast, and he's a great talent. Dion could be that guy. I think Dion could eventually be that guy, but he wasn't this year. They need more of that. They yep. need more of that guy that just physically you're just going to have a hard time guarding even when he's covered. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not as big as Chase Claypool, but a very similar role to what Chase Claypool had for Notre Dame in 2019, which is like, dude, he's covered. Just just throw it up and give him a chance. <laughs> you know, and he can even though he's only six one and a half, six two, he plays a lot bigger than that. Um, but he also is a good route runner. So just just I love this group of guys. It's a really mm-hmm. good it's a really talented group and a group that I think Jaden Greathouse can help you right away. You, it, it, I guess that's the final need they had. You needed guys to come in and play right away. I think Jaden for sure can come in and play right away. Yeah. I don't be shocked if Rico Flores is able to come in and play right away either. His mm-hmm. feel for the game is outstanding. Like okay. he is a smart football player. He's, and he's a better athlete than some people give him credit for. He's not mm-hmm. a burner, he's a good athlete, but he's a guy that knows how to play. He's smart. He's a really good, good pass catcher. Like he's just great hands, catches the ball away from his body, great concentration and focus smart place from kind of a a pro style type of high school offense so I think there'd be a natural transition to what he's not coming from a Texas air raid high school where he runs three routes Rico runs a lot of routes in high school Ryan and so he's a kid that can see play right away I think Caleb Smith could potentially find a role early on if you needed him to and then Braylon James needs the most technical work but Mm -hmm. a smart coach is going to say I got to find a way to use that speed, right? <laughs> yes. Like, okay, I know he only run, knows how to run three routes. Okay, then put him in there and run those three routes, and throw him a deep ball or two. I think there. I think all these kids have a, a, to a different abilities and different volume can be kids that can come in right away. Now, all of them won't, sure, most likely, but they all can, and that's what this staff also needed. That's the final piece to what gave me an A grade is. If they, got an, if they got four incredibly talented players on the same level of these guys, but none of them were – they were all projects, I mm-hmm. would probably ding this class a little bit. Because the need was you need guys – you need at least one or two guys can come and play right now. Even right. with the transfer Caleb Smith coming in, you still need one or two guys to come in and help you as freshmen.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think this class
2: got that. For sure got what, that. And you know, you know what isn't as quantifiable, but I think is really important too, Brian, is that I think that group, that four-man group – a lot of swagger to the to the game too, right? They bring a lot of confidence. You know, it, it's something where when you're not, when you are covered and you need to make a play, you need that confidence to know that you can still make a play, right? And I think that Jaden Greathouse is a kid that the moment he steps on campus, right or wrong, is going to think that he's the best receiver in the room. And you need that man, you need it. Braylon James is going to think that he is the most talented dude in that room, and that he no one can guard him. He's going to think that. Rico Flores is a ta- is a very confident kid. Is you know coming back from I, I know it wasn't a serious injury, obviously, right? So those are three kids that are all enrolling early. By the way, that are going to have an opportunity to fight for early playing time because not only are they all talented in their own unique ways, but it's not going to be too big for them, right? Because we talk about it. Why do you want to go into Texas outside of getting great talents, right? Because those guys live for this stuff man it's no, there's no you think jane greathouse after playing for austin westlake is going to come to notre dame and be like starstruck heck no man he's going to come in and be like i'm the dude here man like what are you talking about rico flores played at folsom high school he's playing de la salle and all those cats every week like he's right. not afraid of competition are you crazy those guys have been at two of the better schools in the country i mean J- brandon james has been playing against guys like Jaden Greathouse on a week-to-week basis like they're not afraid of competition they're gonna come ready to play caleb Caleb smith who's the underrated guy of the group is a texas kid as well so those guys are not afraid of competition they're gonna come in and they're gonna compete how will it end up year one no idea but all i know is it's not going to be like that because they were gun shy or they were starstruck and that they just fell to the backgrounds right they're not gonna be guys that The first year in camp, you're going to be like, oh, they're just kind of meandering to the back of the line in every drill, right? Like, Jaden Gray is going to be jumping up there, man, to be like, I'm a dude right now. Like, let's do this, right? Like, that's that's what sold me on a guy like him. But I think that that can't be – look, it's not quantifiable in the sense that you're talking about what their grade is now, what their upside grade is, and that's how rankings should be made. But I look at it and I say, but also I think a big thing, especially at the wide receiver position – you got to think you're a dude, man. you got to be ready to compete. And I think that you got dudes in this class that come from great programs, come from great regions of football, great states, and they'll be ready to come to up to South Bend, Indiana, and compete. And I think that's all you need, man. That's all you want in this type of situation.
1: Tight end class, Ryan, me, I thought was a, a good haul. And, and there's a couple ways I look at it. Obviously, I gave it a B+. Plus. The talent level wasn't wasn't top of the board. Mm-hmm. I think Cooper Flanning is a good football player. He's a top 200 caliber guy, two to 250 caliber guy. That that kind of is the greatest down. I gave it a B plus. And the reason I say is, is is so it's not necessarily a B plus from a talent standpoint. I think he's a good football player that's got some projection to get better once he actually gets more time in a passing offense. But he's not a Michael Mayer. He's not a Neely Raritan, in my opinion, type of high-level player. But mm-hmm. here's why I do grade it out well. And, and, and B plus is a very good grade, by the way. Not just that they only needed one tight end, but they needed a specific type of tight end. And the type of tight end they needed was a traditional guy that can line up and play attached to the line of scrimmage and be a blocker and be a big boy and play traditional tight end football. And right. and he does that. Yes. he absolutely does that. And so that's what brought the grade back up to me. Because, like, you know, a B is top 15. I think Car- Cooper Flanagan is a top 10 to 15 type of talent in this tight end class, just looking at them, just individual players. Mm-hmm. But what got it to be plus instead of just B is the specific need that Notre Dame had. He fits perfectly. Right. You could say like Deuce Robinson's the best tight end in the country. And he, he, I'd have taken Deuce Robinson in a heartbeat, but Deuce Robinson kind of does exactly what you already have on the roster in Eli Raritan and Holden Stace and guys like that. And what you already have in 2024, They needed a a different type of tight end in this class, and Cooper Flanagan brings that, and that's why B-plus was the grade that I gave him.
2: I mean, I think Cooper's got such a high floor too, right, which is needed at this position especially because he's – like you said, Brian, like he's another kid that comes from a great program at De La Salle, and he's been asked (laughs) – if there's anything he's been asked to do, it's to run block, right? Like he knows the technical Mm -hmm. aspects of it. He's a physical kid. 6'5 plus, he's got long arms, he's 240 plus pounds already. I and mean, he's going to be a kid that when he gets here in June, he's going to be 250 plus pounds ready to work and get with Matt Bayless and get stronger and get bigger. And I think that he's going to be able to compete from a run blocking perspective early on. I think, and I agree with your assessment. It's funny, I, I was actually working through what the grades would be for myself before I looked at your articles, and then I saw you had a B plus. I was like, that's exactly what I would have said for tight end, like, I had no quarrel because I agree, he's not an elite level talent. Could he be a Troy Nicholas level pass catcher at some point. Like, I wouldn't put that out of the question, right? right. I think he's got that up because he's very, he's a linear football player, right? He's linear. He's got great length. Could he be that type of dude? For sure. I think he can be productive in the passing game in the right role. But the stay power, the floor early on is because my guy gets down and dirty in the run game, man. That's mm-hmm. what he does. And that's what you need. And I would not be shocked. And I've said this multiple times over the last few weeks. Would not be shocked if Cooper Flanagan plays a little bit as a freshman because he does that role very, very well, at least in three tight end looks, goal line stuff. Why would you not get a kid like that in the game that if he's able to match it physically, obviously has a lot of experience run blocking. So I think that he has the opportunity to compete for reps early because he does that role that he plays potentially in Notre Dame very, very well early on. That's
1: important, Ryan. I think that that adds to it. There's no doubt is you don't, You don't necessarily have a lot of that in this offense. And one of the guys that that I didn't think Eli Reardon was going to be a guy that early on could play attached and block, and he did. He put on (laughs) more weight than I thought. He was really good there. I sometimes wonder if maybe some of that weight led to the knee injury. You know what I mean? Potentially it's just me talking. It's no medical expert, just me wondering. Things that pop in my head sometimes. But he's not going to probably be ready to start the season. And then you got Mitchell Evans, who's a good blocker, but not a great blocker. He kind of plays that role just because of his size. Mm-hmm. This is a kid that can come in and play, take that role as a freshman. I really, I really think that. And I'd rather he not. I, I kind of like tight end unless you're a Michael Mayer, is one of those to me. I like five year positions. You know, I, I wish Brock Wright would have got a fifth year, for example. Like, I, I could you imagine Brock Wright and Michael Mayer last year as a one two punch of tight end?
2: Brock Wright's doing a good job as a tight yeah. end for Detroit right now, yeah. man. His his receiving stats in NFL right now are much better than they were in college, which is wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. But yeah. 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 No, I I think it really is, man. I mean, when you look at the tight end position, just kind of looking through what the the emphasis on him early on is going to be. I agree completely because he's a player for me that's I mean, hey. I, I, I don't know if anybody has seen Dave LaSalle extensively, but in that triple option offense, he is going to block to the utmost and consistently. And when you're a red zone type of player, when you're a goal line type of player, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's also a kid that works off of play action a little bit, and maybe he's a weapon in the red zone at times. So it's got the size, it's got the physicality. I really like how Cooper Flanagan fits into this offense potentially, because if a, Eli Raridan does get back at some point in the fall, and then you're matching the skill sets. They're all different, which, again, I talked about this in the wide receiver portion of this podcast, but Eli Raritan's skill set is a lot different than the Hold Stacey's skill set. It's a lot different than Kevin Bowman's skill set. It's a lot different than Mitchell Evans' skill set, and it's a lot different from Cooper Flanagan's skill set. So adding those skill sets all together, I think, again, this is one of those positions like wide receiver – where I want different types in a tight end room, man. Like I don't want them to all look the same. I don't want them to all play the same. I want guys that can fill specific roles, especially in an offense under Tommy Reese that has done a lot of 12 personnel, has done some 13 personnel. Like he likes to get multiple tight ends on the field a ton. Could it change next year? It's always possible. But I think the the core of what Tommy Reese wants to do, I think that he does want to play some 12 personnel and be able to use multiple tight ends. So I I think the more – specific skill sets you get in that offense the more that you can do potentially
1: let's move on to the offensive line ryan and this is a grade that i'm curious kind of well what was your
2: grade for the offensive line i gave him an a minus what was your grade i, I was also going to give him an a uh, minus I, I i i agree with you because he, i think you said it perfectly i because you know but we i don't think we differ on this opinion i don't really don't because my opinion on charles jaggers has changed a lot obviously right like i was like he could play right tackle, maybe dominant guard. Now I'm like, that kid's a tackle. Like, I have no doubt about it. He could play guard if you need him to. Absolutely be dominant in there. But he can play left. I think he can play right. The the one person that I'm interested in is Sullivan Absher. Because when you look at his body type and just his play style and lack of reps and pass protection, I look at that kid and I say, maybe a right tackle? But, like, I think he's a guard long term. And that's not a bad thing. It's not. Yeah. it because I think he can be a really good player inside. Like there's no doubt about it, but if he is ultimately a, a guard on the next level, you don't have a high margin for error for a second offensive tackle in that class. Mm-hmm. Cause then Sam Pendleton is definitely a guard. Like, he's not going to play tackle, right? Could he move out in a pinch to get you out of a football game? It's possible because he's a really smart football player, but he's not going to be a tackle full time. Joe Otting is going to be a pure interior player. Chris Terrick is going to be a pure interior player. So if, if Solomon Absher cannot be an offensive tackle in your system, then you only got tr- one true offensive tackle in, mm-hmm. in this class, which I think that's where you kind of get hung up a little bit. I like the talents, I like the potential, but I really just am struggling if yeah if Sullivan Absher is not that guy at tackle, then you, you're a little hamstrung for offensive tackle moving forward.
1: Would you have leaned more towards A or B plus? Because I would have leaned more towards B plus, and it's for the reason that you just mentioned. I like mm-hmm. this offensive line class at all. The reason yeah. a, a lot, excuse me. The reason I went top, the reason I went A- minus is because when I look at the other offensive line hauls, it's one of the five best in the country. It fits the criteria. Mm -hmm. I just have – you know what it comes down to? It really comes down to this, Sullivan Absher. That's what it comes down to. The fact that we just haven't seen him do a big part of the game a whole lot is the thing that gives me – like I love the things that I see. I love his size, I love his length. I love his demeanor. He's physical. He's punishing. He shows Smarter. me athletic skills. on yep. t- you know, I actually like his athleticism a little bit more than you do, I believe, mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. our conversations. Yep. But I just – how can I say definitively that that dude's an offensive tackle in college when I've really never seen him pass block, <laughs> you know, hardly at all. And so yep. I think that's that's my hang-up is I like the town of this group. Like I like Sam mm-hmm. Pendleton, but Pendleton's a floor guy, not yes. necessarily a ceiling guy. Christopher yep. Tarek's a floor guy, not a ceiling guy. So now. The that's but that all that that factored into why I didn't give it an A, but in, in another sense, it also kind of bumped it up a little bit in some ways, too, from a when I look at it from a depth standpoint. So, like, I didn't love the impact talent beyond Jagasaw and uh, an absure mm-hmm. Joe Odding. I love his talent, but he's such a floor, a low floor guy because of the body, the need to build mm-hmm. the body up. And so when I look at this class, I see, but what I also see is I see some higher floors. Like Chris Tarek is going to be at the very least a depth guy at Notre Dame. Yes. He was my number five guy. Sam Pendleton, at the very least, is going to be a, to me, you know, a, a, a very good depth piece or a a two-year, fifth-year, fourth-and-fifth-year senior starter guy. Right? Like that's how I see him. Where in past years, your fourth and fifth guys were guys that just couldn't play or right. were guys I wasn't really sure of. This year, your three, four, and five are are good, solid football players. So I love the depth of it, and that mm-hmm. bumped it up a little bit. And then what dragged it back down a little bit is when I look at the impact talent. Yep. And so, and and people have asked. I have not seen the Shrine Bowl a whole lot, but but that also doesn't matter a ton to me as far as moving the needle on the grade, just because it's something he had to kind of just prepare for that game. But yep. it's a it, it. I think the talent is there. It's just the yeah. thing that gives me pause. As to, as to to see it. And so uh, perhaps my grade changes when I come out with my top 100 and after the All-Star Games, because I will eventually watch the Shrine Bowl and try to find some some practice of the film uh, or a film of the practice during that period of time. But I think that's really what comes to me, guys, is just being able to look at it from the standpoint of saying, I'm just really unsure of this, this group and its true high-level talent. Right. So that's kind of where I kind of find that happy medium of a minus and, and even to a bit degree to the b plus because I think Jack Jagasaw can play left tackle mm-hmm. for sure. But here's the thing yeah. though. I don't know if that's where I would prefer him. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. those, two, those those are the things that all factored into a minus and not a. Right. Uh, and, and are some of the red flags, but I like the talent. And here's the thing, if Absher hits and if Odding can fill out and keep his athleticism okay. that changes the needle that changes the standard for me that raises it up because if those two things happen, then all of a sudden my, the couple concerns I have are down and you're, you, you feel fired up about it.
2: You, you mentioned this earlier, Brian, that you want to do a, obviously a two year recruiting review. You know what else would change it a little bit? If I was certain that Emil Wagner could be a dude at yep. Notre Dame, if he could be a dude, and I look at this and say, you know what, if that's ends up being a guard, I didn't miss because I still got a kid that's going to be a four year, another a guy, a guy that, uh, excuse me, a guy that could play four more years and be a part of that group potentially. Right. But if he's, if he can't fill out appropriately and play at Notre Dame, you know, from a starting perspective, then you're looking at a two year class of getting one true offensive tackle. Right. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at. Right. So for sure, if an Absher can't stick a tackle. So I just think that there's a, not a massive margin for error here, right? Like you need Absher to be able to play tackle. If he can, then this is a moot point, right? If you both those guys can play tackle, then you're like, cool, man. Now you're working with Billy Shrouth and Rocco Spindler from previous years, you know, working in with guys like Sullivan Absher and Sam Pendleton and, now you got options, which is always what you want on the offensive line, like always. So I trust Harry hestand's evaluation. If you know, if he tells me that Sullivan Absher could definitely be a tackle at the next level, going to give it an opportunity to play out. There's no doubt about it. It's just from a grading perspective, from what I've seen from Absher, I think he could be a damn good guard, man. Like I think yeah. that he could be a dominant player inside potentially. I really do. I mean. Brian, I remember when we first watched him together, right? I mean, like, I was, I'm still very high on him. I think that he plays with great pad level, super physical, violent upon contact, like, and good, good foot quickness for his size. Like, everything's good there, man. It's just, can he play in reverse, right? Can right. he play in a true pass set? That's and that's don't what don't we talked yet. about
1: with so, him yesterday. And he understands yep. that. And he, he has a plan for that. So, I mean, I flat yep. out asked Sullivan about that. Yep. You know, and he talked about, like, I have a guy that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. right I have some of this training that you know I had to do that getting ready for the thing and 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 I'll get better at it and look Harry he stands not taking that kid and pushing as hard as he did for him if he doesn't see the tools too it's just you got to see it